as they were taking my dad away, I made this promise with God. And I was so upset with myself for being a coward mm-hmm. because I didn't act. And maybe if I would have acted, my dad would still be alive and my dad would still be here. Mm-hmm. And thinking back now, I mean, I was 12 years old. Right. There was no reason to blame myself. But right. but as a 12-year-old kid, I, I, I put the blame on myself. And I just said, man, my sister would have had a better life. My mom would have had a better life. My brothers would have gotten advice through their life if I would have stepped in. Mm. And it's all because of my self being a coward that my dad's not here. Mm. Welcome to the His Hill Podcast. My name is Kelly Darty, and I'm your host. Today, we have with us one of our second year students. Uh, it's, uh, I'm looking forward to this interview because he's somebody that I actually met when he was a very young boy and, uh, and, and had seen him a couple of times and, uh, in, in visiting in their home when I was, uh, speaking out in Phoenix. And, uh, so it's been neat to see how the Lord's worked in his life and has brought into Bible school and just what he's done with him now as he's halfway through his second year with us. His name is Caden Brown. Hi, Caden. How are you? I'm good. And you? I'm doing well. Thanks for asking. It's good to good to have you with us. Thanks for giving me this time. I appreciate that. Yeah, no problem. Okay, Caden, uh, I mentioned that I, I, I met you when you were just a young guy. I don't even know if you remember it, but I was actually in your house twice. Uh, your grandfather had me come out and speak a couple of times uh, for a couple of different events. And uh, and so I actually spent a couple of nights in your house. I remember you coming in one time uh, from, I think it was from gymnastics or something like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, and you and your sister, you know, being there, being around the house. I remember mm-hmm. that. Uh, but do you have any recollection of that? Honestly, no, I never knew you stayed in my Phoenix house. Yeah, yeah a couple of times, yeah. yeah. Um, so, uh, you know, now you didn't, you weren't born in Phoenix, right? No, I was born in Fallbrook, California. Okay, in Fallbrook, okay. And uh, you, uh, of course, I know your family, first of all, by I, I knew your dad. Uh, yep. He was one of our guest speakers for years. And, yep. uh, and then, um, and then I met your grandfather. He was on the board here with us for yep. a number of years. And, uh, that's how we had that connection. And he uh, started bringing me out to, to Phoenix. Mm-hmm. Uh, so tell me growing up in Fallbrook, um, what was that like? What kind of home did you grow up in? Well, I was born in Fallbrook, but I actually grew up in Hemet, California. Okay. Um, honestly, we moved away when I was really young, so I don't really have a whole lot of memories of California. How old were you when you moved? Uh, I think I was around seven, so okay. it was in 2009. So Okay. Yeah. And uh, and that's when you moved to, to Arizona? Yeah, we moved to Arizona uh, to be closer to all, so we could all be together as a family. Okay, so, yeah. yeah. And um, so you grew up in a Christian home? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Very. okay. Tell us a little bit about that. So yeah, I, I grew up in a Christian home. You know, my dad was a pastor, and he was in, he also did mission work. So mm-hmm. I don't know if you consider him a missionary too, but uh, yeah, he was a pastor of Hemet Valley Baptist um, Church, and yeah, he did mission work in the Amazon a lot and a whole bunch of other places. I just don't exactly remember all yeah. the names of those places. So. Yeah, and he came here once a year to teach. Yep, yeah, he did that as well. Yeah, okay. So uh, you have um, you have a sister. You have an older sister. Yeah, I do. And you actually, you have several siblings. How many siblings do you I have? Do, I have three, two brothers and one sister, and they've all attended a torchbearer school. Right. So my brother Caleb attended his hill for one year, and my brother Kian, he attended uh, Costa Rica, the Port and Torches. And my sister attended two years here at his hill, and she volunteered for two years in Ravencrest. Right. Yeah. Okay. And um, so... It, Torch bears kind of in the blood, I guess. Yeah, it runs in the family. <laughs> yeah, it does. Yeah, you have uh, uh, you have an uncle that's been involved in uh, in torch bears as well. Yeah, Dan Brown. Yeah. I think he still teaches at Timberline. I'm not sure on that, but I think okay. so. And he has taught here. Yeah, and, yeah, and, and actually uh, served in on summer staff for a while too. So, oh really? I didn't. Yeah, know that. yeah, years ago. Wow. Yeah, before he went on the mission field. He was here as a counselor during his Moody Bible years. Wow. And uh, yeah, so we got to know him then. And then he actually came back uh, another summer to help teach uh, for, for a few of the weeks. Wow, that's cool. Yeah. I had no idea. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay, so you know, grew, grew up in a Christian home. When did you come to know Jesus? Um, well, I wholeheartedly believe I, I came to know Jesus at five years old. You know, mm-hmm. my dad sat me down by the bed and he asked me questions of like, 
do you know who Jesus is? And I answered and I said, yeah, he's my savior. And my dad says, well, you know, have you accepted Jesus as your savior? And I said, well, I don't know. And my dad said, well, Caden, would you like to accept Jesus as your savior? And so by this time, my dad was hurt. Um, so he was in bed, but I knelt down by his bed and he walked me through the kind of steps of salvation and just accepting Jesus for eternal life and the free mm -hmm. gift that he has to offer. So that's when, that's when I believe I was saved was at five, five years old. Okay. Yeah. And so you, you were, your dad was, you mentioned that he was hurt. Let's, yeah. let's talk about that a little bit because, okay. um, I guess you were still in California at this time. Uh, yes, we were. Okay. So tell us about that. Um, so yeah, when I was two years old, my father ended up going on a missions trip to the Amazon rainforest and they were building a church and within the process of building that church, they had to saw and mill all their own lumber in order to build the church. So it was a lot of manual labor. Mm -hmm. And within that process, he ended up hurting his back really, really bad. Um, so he came home and we didn't really know exactly what was wrong with him. So we went to the doctor a couple of times and well, he was in excruciating pain. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Excruciating. And so he went to the doctor a couple of times and doctors like, look, there's nothing wrong with you. And finally, by the, like the third or fourth time, my dad went to the hospital. He goes, I'm not leaving until you guys do an MRI. Like, I know there's something wrong with my back. And so they did an MRI and they're like, oh, shoot. Yeah, there's something wrong mm. with your back. Mm. Um, I don't exactly remember what it was called or what the exact problem was. But that was kind of the starting process or the starting journey of my dad's back pain. Right. And and it was a debilitating injury. It, it, it put him in, like you said, it put him in bed. And uh, where he stayed for years. Yeah, he was in bed pretty much twenty four seven. Yeah, for yeah, for a long time. And uh, because of this, he couldn't pastor anymore. Yeah, he had to step down from pastoring. He had to stop coming to the his hill. Had yeah. to stop doing mission work. Um, he still continued. I mean, to be faithful, and he would help pastors write messages and help pastors lead churches. And actually, the church I ended up going to in Arizona, um, he helped that pastor create messages when he was stumped or didn't know what to write on mm. my dad would write him from his bed and just mm. give him encouragement wow. and information on things that he needed information on because my dad <laughs> he was a nerd like a history nerd and so he just loved the context of the old testament and okay. like context of paul's letters or whatever kind of letter it was he just loved that stuff he yeah. ate it up yeah, and he had uh, he had great insight into into the word too. The Lord really mm -hmm. blessed him with a, um, you, you know, with a special a special insight. You know, his communication yeah. skills, which you don't really know that much about because no. you were so young when yeah. he stopped. But his communication I've, skills were really strong. Yeah, I've actually never heard my dad teach before. Yeah, um, which, you know, it's too bad, but that's okay. Mm. Um, so okay, yeah. okay, so. Uh, you guys moved to Phoenix, and uh, partly because, uh, well, you you wanted to be with family, but a lot of it had to do also, if I remember right, was your dad's injury that you guys needed to, um, you needed to do something, need to go somewhere, do something, right? Yeah. So, well, technically, the reason we moved to Arizona wasn't because of my dad. Okay. So, my aunt, my mom's sister, has a son who has heart problems, and oh, that's right. Yeah. They said that my cousin wasn't supposed to live. And so we all decided to go move out to Arizona because that's where his doctors were. So my aunts and uncle, uncles from California and my grandparents, we all picked up our things from California and moved to be with family in Arizona. Okay. Um, and, but yeah, I mean, miraculously, my cousin's still alive. He's, mm. he's loving the Lord. He's going to GCU right now. Okay. Going to, I think, get a degree in biblical studies. Great. Um, just on fire for the Lord. And he's just, he's a real miracle. Mm. That's great. Praise yeah. the Lord. So, um, now moving out there, um, what was it, what was it like for you now growing up? Cause now, okay, you moved out, you said when you were about seven. Yeah. Okay. So then that means, you know, you went through your preteen years, your teenage years. What, what was it like with you and the Lord and, and, you know, just the whole situation with your dad and his, uh, his injury. What, what was this like for you growing up? Yeah. So, I mean, to be honest with you, I had a really good childhood. I was, I was, I was blessed. Um, and you know, when I got to Arizona, my mom was trying to find activities for me and my sister to do. And so we actually both ended up getting put into gymnastics. Okay. My sister wasn't a big fan of it, but I was, and I loved it and I fell in love with it. And so that pretty much took up my entire, my entire childhood. Okay. Um, 
it was a 30 hour a week commitment. It was, it was almost pretty much a full-time job. So you were competitive. Yeah, I was. Um, yeah, I competed all over. So, okay. So yeah, we, we did a lot of gymnastics, a lot of school. Um, I also grew up with a learning disability. So I had a lot of tutoring on top of, um, just normal school. And so, yeah. And then with, with my dad and with the Lord, um, my relationship with the Lord at growing up was just kind of a faith based off. I believe my, my parents' faith. I, okay. I believed in God, but I didn't really know who Jesus was intimately and personally. Um, I didn't know about the indwelling life of Christ. I, I didn't know any of these things. And so growing up, my, my relationship with God is mostly go to church, have fun, obey my mom, obey my dad. Um, and at that time, my dad was, was so bad that he couldn't come to church. And so he was stuck in bed most of the time. So yeah. it was mostly just me, my sister, and my mom going to church because my two older brothers were older. Yeah. Okay. And um, so growing up, you were going to church. Uh, it was kind of a comfortable type of faith for you in that, you know, your yeah. parents, you know, were Christians. You knew they were Christians. And that was, you know, that maybe your security in that. Yeah. Um, so what, um, talk us through it. Tell us what was it like? I mean, did you, did that change? Yeah. So, um, yeah, actually. So when I was 12 years old, um, my father ended up committing suicide, uh, because he was just in so much pain and he had just, you know, he had, he had, a you know, just had enough of the pain and the suffering. I mean, growing up, as you asked about my earlier childhood, I would grow up just hearing my dad scream and cry in pain most of the day. And it got so normal to me, my sister and my mom, that it just was part of our lives, just hearing my dad yelp for yelp in pain in the other room. And we would just have to ignore it because he wasn't asking for attention or asking for pity. It was just literally an expression of how much pain and suffering he was, was going through. It was necessary. Yeah. It just, yeah, it was normal. I... I, I can attest to that, you know, from the times that I stayed there that, you know, your, your mom prepared me like in the middle of the night, I may hear this. And, and I did, you know, and mm-hmm. it was, you could tell it was excruciating. And so this was, and I can remember going into your dad's room, sitting there and visiting with him, you know, mentally still there, you know, he knew exactly, mm-hmm. you know, he was, you know, we had very coherent conversations. Uh, you know, he was, I believe he was still one that was, you know, that was looking to the Lord. He was for sure. Yeah. He was still living out his faith in Christ, mm-hmm. but there was a struggle. Yeah. And, uh, and then the time came when the, the struggle got the best of him. Yeah. And, uh, so, you know, if you feel comfortable with it, you could, you know, tell us about the day that he, that he did. Die. Yeah. Yeah. We can discuss that. Um, so yeah, Growing up again through throughout my childhood, you know, just hearing that um, my dad was just in pain. He just decided that he had had enough. And we had kind of started suspecting that his mental health was getting pretty bad. Okay. And so my mom actually started sleeping in the same room as my dad because they hadn't, they had slept in different rooms because my mom couldn't sleep because of, you know, the yelling at yeah. night. Yeah. And so my mom moved back into my dad's room. Um, during this time, my dad had started getting addicted to pain pills because he just needed so much pain medication in order to numb the pain. Mm-hmm. And so he was super addicted, uh, started actually in his later life, closer to his death, started messing with his, his ability to carry on conversation and his ability to have coherent, um, understanding of what's mm-hmm. going on. Mm-hmm. And so through this, you know, in, in, in the night it happened, it was April 15th, uh, 2015, I believe. And, you know, I just remember waking up one night to, to my mom yelling and she was like, call 911, call 911. And I woke up and I was awake on the other side of the house. And I honestly don't know how I woke up. I think it was just the Lord prompted me to wake up the time I did because my sister slept right next to my dad's room and she never woke up Mm -hmm. and I'm a deep sleeper. And this is a big house too. So you were pretty good distance away. Yeah. It was a 4,000 square foot house. So it wasn't any small house. And so I woke up to my mom just screaming, call 911, call 911. And I just saw my grandparents running up and down the hallways. And I'm walking out of my room and I'm like, man, what's going on? And so I start walking down the hallway of my house and I see the light of my dad's bedroom on. And I'm like, that's weird. I wonder if maybe my dad fell because that had happened before my dad fell and we needed help getting him up and stuff like that. 
And so as I'm walking down this hallway, looking at my dad's light in his bedroom, I'm walking down. And as I walk down, the, the hallway is kind of just, I don't know if it's just my mind playing tricks on me, but it just started getting like darker and longer as I walked. And it was really, it was kind of like that movie scene, you know, mm. where the hallway starts extending. Mm -hmm. It was a lot like, that's the best way I can describe it. And so as I'm walking down the hallway, I finally get to my dad's room and I turn and, you know, my grandpa's on one side of my dad holding him down because he's trying to fight because he, he wants, he wants to die. He doesn't want to live in pain anymore. And I look at my mom and my mom's on top of him and, you know, she's, she's got blood on her because she's trying to save my dad's life, trying to stop the bleeding. And, and my dad this whole time's kicking and just trying to, trying to get everybody off of him because he's just, he's just so ready to go and be with the Lord. And, you know, I saw that. And as soon as I saw it, I froze as a 12 year old boy. I didn't know what to do. Mm. I was just frozen in, in fear and panic and, and I don't know, just a thousand different emotions hit me at once. And it was just like, I couldn't move. And eventually my grandma saw me and she kind of got really bright eyes like, oh no. And so she takes me away to the different room. But I remember when the EMTs and cops finally came, I walked back to my dad's room watching the EMTs and firefighters take care of my dad. And it was just this moment of promise with God. And I was so upset with myself for being a coward mm -hmm. because I didn't act. And maybe if I would have acted, my dad would still be alive and my dad would still be here. Mm. And thinking back now, I mean, I was 12 years old. Right. There was no reason to blame myself. But, right. but as a 12-year-old kid, I, I, I put the blame on myself. And I just said, man, my sister would have had a better life. My mom would have had a better life. My brothers would have gotten advice through their life if I would have stepped in mm. and it's all because of my self being a coward that my dad's not here. Mm. And I made a promise with God in that moment. And I said, God, I don't ever want to feel again. And I don't ever want to feel emotionally again because that's what hindered me from helping my dad. Mm. And from that moment on, I mean, it was crazy, Kelly. Like my life just went down like fast, like quick. Wow. And yeah, it was just, it was a crazy night filled with emotion. And it wasn't actually until I went on an Amazon missions trip in 2018 that, so this happened in 2015 and 2018, because of that promise I made with the Lord, because of how hard hearted I got through that process on that missions trip, seeing the people that my dad helped and impact, that was the first time I had really cried about my dad's death. Okay. Was, was, what is that? Three years later? Yeah. And that's just that that's just to show you like how hard hearted my heart was towards mm. emotion. And I just didn't want to feel because I saw it as a as being a coward. Okay. So yeah. So that was three years after and you're on a mission trip. Well well, what was your relationship with the Lord like during those three years? Were you were you growing in the Lord? Were you running from him? What what was it? Yeah, you know, I I feel really weird saying this, but it's it was honestly a missions trip. We did work, and I believe the work was was good and fruitful. But, but when it came to me, I I was in a place where I didn't really love the Lord. Mm -hmm. I had kind of in 2018, even after the missions trip, I had just completely walked away from the Lord. I had rejected Him. I rejected His name, and you know, I remember just sitting in church and the youth group people and the main pastor proclaiming the name of Jesus and proclaiming the name of Christ. And I would just get so angry at that name just because of the anger that I had built up towards that name. Mm. And it was just a, a dark and brutal place where I was. How did you end up on a mission trip? Uh, so my uncle, Uncle Daryl, he, he, when he first got into missions, my dad took him to the Amazon on his first mission trip. And ever since then, my uncle had a huge heart for missions. And so he started missions trip. And my uncle knew I was having a really hard time. Okay. And he thought maybe somehow if he could get me to the place where my dad had impacted so many people mm -hmm. for the Lord, mm -hmm. that I would somehow realize that God is still good in the midst of this. And I believe that's what his heart was behind it. And so honestly, like I said, I feel really weird for saying it, but I went on a mission trip kind of 
for healing for myself. Okay. Um, even though I was serving people for the Lord, um, it was more of a selfish mission trip, I guess you could say. Okay. Um, which is not the heart we should go on mission trip <laughs> for. But, you know, the Lord used it and it was the Lord's timing. And um, I believe that the, the Lord did a good work through it. Okay. Amen. What about your family during this time? Were you the only one that was that was kind of um, had this bitterness or this anger toward the Lord? No, um, honestly, I would say. I mean, we don't have to go into detail of yeah, it because that's yeah. their story. But yeah, I was just going to say that like a lot of my siblings really struggled with the relationship with the Lord after you know. Um, I I just love my sister's testimony. You know, I don't have permission to share it, but if you just hear my sister's testimony of how the lord was faithful in her life mm. i mean it gives me chills down my back and you know it, it makes me cry sometimes mm. and i'm not a very emotional person still to this day but it's just such a beautiful story of how christ can work in you and through you even in the midst of of dark terrible times mm. and yeah her testimony just yeah even beautiful. when you don't have it figured out how he still yeah. is faithful and exactly. that's yeah that's that's neat um Okay, so, I mean, so, and the yeah, I guess the reason I'm asking that is because, I mean, everybody that I know who knew your dad thought yeah. the world of your dad. Yeah. And, you know, and, and I'm sure you have come across that, you know, time and time again, you know, where you mm -hmm. run into people like when you first showed up here, oh, I knew your dad. And, yeah. Um, and so, you know, we, we're, we definitely want to, acknowledge that about him for sure you know, I good mean, guy yeah you know it's it, it and, and he loved the lord and was used of the lord and and really challenged people you know it was you know he it, it was very strong presence um but also at the same time we're not wanting to do that to the point to where we're sugarcoating and and saying you know and just glossing over you know just what has happened and yeah. And that that was wrong, you know. Yeah. That it was it was not right. That was not what God had for him. And and then the results of that uh, was ongoing, and mm -hmm. and and you know it affected you, your siblings, uh, to to the point to where you know that was in uh, you said 2015. That um, you know here we are now, and you're still you're still dealing with this for sure. Yeah. Um, but. Uh, but in that, what an incredible testimony that, you know, you and your sister have of that the Lord was faithful. You know, he has been faithful. He has taken both of you yeah. and, uh, and he's done incredible things in your lives. And, you know, I've been given the privilege of knowing both of you, having met both of you when you were kids. Mm -hmm. uh, but now both of you spending time here where I could get, yeah. to, get to know you and watch what the Lord's doing. It's just say, you know, that it's, there really is nothing beyond him. And that doesn't excuse what's happened. It doesn't excuse your dad, mm -hmm. but it doesn't mean that that the Lord has abandoned you, mm -hmm. and that this is beyond what He's doing. Yeah, yeah. So, one of my one of my favorite illustrations for that is you know during Thanksgiving my first year we had a guest speaker named Sam Black come out, and he used the 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 classic glove illustration of Christ living living in you and through yeah. you and his glove was different than most. His glove had a hole in it. Mm. And he said, you know what this hole resembles? And I was sitting there, I was like, no. And he's like, you can clearly see my hand, which represents Christ through the hole of the glove. Mm. And he said, don't ever think for a second that something that has happened in your life is too dark for the Lord to shine through because it's often in the darkest moments that the Lord shines the brightest. Mm. And I just, that rung so true for my life and just realizing that, through my unfaithfulness of God, God was faithful. Mm. And that this whole time that I had rejected God and I hated God and, and I didn't want anything to do with him, God was still faithful to me and loved me and mm. decided to bring me down this path of, of forgiveness of my dad and me coming back into relationship with the Lord. It was just, yeah, it's just, it's just a beautiful testimony. Um, well, what did the Lord have to do to bring you to that point of forgiving your dad? Yeah, he, he had to break me. <laughs> okay. That's for sure. Um, How bad had things gotten for you? Things had gotten pretty bad. Um, I was in high school um, when I would say I hit rock bottom. Okay. And I was to numb the pain and to numb the emotions that I was trying to suppress, as mm -hmm. I talked about with my, my promise to the Lord, if yeah. you want to call it that. 
I had started using some drugs and alcohol to suppress the pain because it was just too much. Mm. I would constantly have nightmares of my dad of that night and it would just drown my mind in mm. at night and not even just at night. I mean, I would be walking down the halls of school and I would just start seeing scenes of that night. And it was this, this brutal mind game of that my mind was playing on me because it was trying to process what I wasn't letting it process. And so, yeah, I had, I had got into addictions of all kinds and just all that sorts of stuff. And eventually, um, my mom found out I was, I was doing that stuff. And so I got pulled out of high school by the, by the grace of God before I got kicked out. Mm. Um, if I had got caught with any more stuff and you know, that was, that was the moment where I hit rock bottom mm. because I had realized that my life was, <laughs> I mean, I guess you could say for a high schooler, it was in shambles. Mm. I had no friends anymore. I had no special activities outside of my house. I had nothing. I had all my privileges taken away from me. Mm. And, you know, one thing I just want to highlight too is just the faithfulness of my mom through this process. Yeah, I was going to ask you and about that. And she was just... Man, I, you know. she's an impressive woman because she had to, she had to deal with a husband first of all that physically was broken, yeah, and and all that she had to take on herself with that is you know is a whole nother, <laughs> yeah. it's a whole nother story, yeah. and and so she's she's having to take care of everybody, and then all of a sudden she doesn't even have the 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 mental. Mm-hmm. support that she once had from another person you know just she's uh she's alone and she's mm-hmm. she's having to to take care of everybody in all ways yeah. uh, but you know she she was faithful yeah you know an incredible example yeah. for you to have in your life yeah she was faithful i mean not even to me but she was faithful to the lord through it all mm. and she had i mean each one of her kids went down just this, this dark path I can just see God's strength and comfort and peace so clearly in her life that throughout those times that all her kids were going through these hard times, she continued just to encourage us back to the Lord and continue to Mm. encourage us to Mm. God's the only one that's going to comfort you through this. And Mm -hmm. God's the only one that's going to bring you peace through this. And whether or not we accepted that information when she was telling us, the fact is, is that she told us and, and, it wasn't just a one-time thing. It was a continuous thing of Mm. her telling us about God's faithfulness. Mm. Even when she knew I had fully rejected God and she knew during my sister's life of when my sister was mad at the Lord, she had just continued to, to press into my sister and love my sister and love me through our hard times. But yeah, I mean, I just wanted to highlight that because my, my mother's an amazing woman. I love my mom. Yeah. She's a great lady. Um, so she pulled you out of school. Yeah, she pulled me out, and I was still in gymnastics. Okay, but she had pulled me out of school, so that was my only activity outside of my house. And I still was just hard-hearted, and I still did not turn back to the Lord when I hit rock bottom. And I was just continuing to, I guess, just scrape at rock with a plastic spoon, like what I said, because I just wanted to go deeper and deeper and deeper. And I just continued to do what I was doing, doing the bad things. And eventually, I was introduced to a man named Kevin Fryer. And Kevin Fryer was a man who invited me to a Bible study in the midst of me scraping at the rock with a plastic spoon, as like I like to say. And at first, I was like, you know, that's cool. I appreciate you inviting me to a Bible study, but I don't know. And, but the only reason I accepted it is because we were out to dinner with my mom and my mom was standing there <laughs> and I'm like, I can't reject going to a Bible study. I'm, I'm at this point I do online school. I have no other obligations <laughs> on Tuesday morning and my mom's standing right here. And if I say no, my mom's going to make me do it. Okay. So I just decided to somewhat impress my mom and say, yeah, you know, I'll go to this Bible study. And it's through this, this man, Kevin, um, who really, I believe whether he knew he was doing it or not, really just knew James 1 and 19, where it's slow to, uh, quick to listen, slow to speak. Mm-hmm. And Kevin would just ask me questions about my dad and just ask me things of what I was thinking and how I was feeling through it. And through all my stupid sayings and my my probably heretical thoughts of God and my 
confused and misunderstood interpretations of God's word. He just listened. And eventually when I was done, and this was a process of weeks, and eventually when I was done, Kevin finally started to question me and question my thinking by using God's word. And it was through that that I actually started ending up, ended up realizing that, you know, maybe God isn't this monster that I've created him out to be. Mm. Because the hardest question for me to wrap my mind around was, God, why? God, why did you make a man suffer the way he did when he served you and loved you with his whole heart? He, he was in ministry. He was a pastor. He did overseas missions trip. He did all sorts of outreaches. And yet you allowed this back problem to happen to this man. And I was like, I don't know how that could make a good God. And it was just kind of something that I really struggled with. But yet Kevin brought me back kind of, he kind of brought me to my knees in front of the Lord. And it was just a time of surrender. And I, I came back to the Lord Uh, little by little and it was through the discipleship of a man named Kevin Fryer Mm. and I eventually had to stop going to that Bible study unfortunately because I had to start working and so I ended up working with this one construction guy I didn't work for him for too long just about a year Um, I ended up quitting working for him working for another guy and this this is all part of the story of God bringing me back to himself yeah and through this construction process I called like 50 different companies in one day. I just needed a job. I was running out of money and I was running out of my money because my mom had stopped supporting me because I told her I wasn't going to Bible school. Okay. And that was my mom's deal. You know, if I wanted to go to Bible school, she would support me for another year after 18. But since I said no, I was on my own. And so I had to find a job and one guy called me back and he said, I don't have any openings right now, but I know someone who does. So he gave me, a job interview with a man named Stacy and Stacy's a Christian guy who, who is just an incredible mentor in my life. And he put me in a construction job with other construction guys who are Christians. And I remember in my job interview, Stacy asked me, do you love Jesus? And at mm-hmm. that point, like I loved him, but I wasn't fully into this thing yet, you know? And through that process, I walked on the job and my foreman, the first question he asked me was, do you love Jesus? Wow. And I stared at him and I was like, man, I thought that was just the office people who love Jesus. <laughs> like, why is the foreman asking me if I love Jesus? I mean, you were at construction. You know yeah. sometimes how, how rough those, oh, sure. those jobs could oh, be. Yeah. And I was just really blown back by, by this question asked by this guy. And I was like, man, I mean, yeah, I love Jesus. Uh, I just told Stacy I love Jesus and I got to keep this job. (laughs) (laughs) And so I told him, yeah. And from that day on, the Lord worked so fast and so faithfully through a man named Doug in my life to disciple me, to bring me back to Jesus. Mm. And it was through Doug um, taking me through God's word and challenging me in my thoughts on the construction site. Wow. And he would challenge me to read God's word at night. And when I came back the next day, he would walk me through it as we're working. And he taught me as we're building, using illustrations of building of what we're doing, Mm. of how God can build your life Mm. and how God is building your life. And um, it was just an amazing process that that the Lord allowed me to go through to, to come back to him. Yeah. And... Like I said, I, I have a learning disability mm-hmm. and I have something called severe dyslexia mm-hmm. and reading for so long, I just always told myself it's too hard. Mm-hmm. I don't understand enough. I'm not going to read God's word because I just don't understand it. And so Doug decided just to take me through through simple books like this, the, the history of, of Israel starting in Joshua. Um, and I think we ended up stopping in Ruth and going to something else. Mm-hmm. But as I was working through the history, he just gave me all sorts of cool contacts and it all just blended together Mm. and I could see God's faithfulness in Israel's life. And then the question opposed me is, has God not been faithful to you? And it really took me back and I really had to think, the Lord has been faithful to me Mm. even when I've been 
dishonoring him and rejecting him and not loving the Lord. Yeah. He's loved me. Wow. And it, it's, I was teaching at Chill the Hill this weekend and yeah, Chill the Hill, a a retreat that we sponsor his hill sponsors for youth. Yeah. Yeah. And I was teaching the verse of John three sixteen. Okay. And it is a verse that, you know, we quote it so often in church and every, every kid sure. growing up learns it and memorizes it. Right. And it's just like, it's an amazing verse because it's the gospel in my yeah. verse. Yeah. And I was reading through John three sixteen, and I realized that in my life I had forgotten about the truth of God's love so that whoever believes in me shall not perish, but have eternal life. And, 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 and the beginning of the verse for God so loved the world. And I said, well, well, God, like, I get that you love the world, but do you love me? And I had forgot the truth within my self-focused of, oh, boo me. You know, I've gone through all these hard things. I forgot that God loves me through those hard things Mm. and, and through my sufferings and through my pains. Jesus is there with me. And he's there to hold my hand through it. Mm. And I remember on the missions trip and it all just kind of ties in together, even in the points of when I wasn't fully walking with the Lord, there was a story as I was talking to my aunt about just the things I'd gone through. There was this man who had been going through a family divorce and he had got down on his knees in a garage in his garage and he was crying to the Lord and saying, Lord, where are you? Where are you in my pains? Where are you in my sufferings? And he had this thought that, that Jesus was there on his knees too, feeling the pain that he was feeling mm. and going through what he was going through. And that, that it, it it's the same thing with, with my life and me asking, God, where were you in my sufferings? It, 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 was, it, was, it was God saying, I was there with you always and i i grieved what you grieved i probably even grieved more than what you grieved Mm. because i knew your dad on a more intimate level than you could ever know your dad Mm. and i knew him as your savior and you only knew him as your father and while yes that is an intimate thing knowing someone as your savior is way more intimate than knowing someone as your father Mm. and so as i was walking through this you know god just gave me this peace and comfort and and this love of i'm with you always Mm. and forever and I will be faithful even when you're not. Mm. And it was, I mean, it, it rocked my shit. Like, wow. I was like, what? Wow. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, through the construction job and my foreman mentoring me, and it wasn't just that one foreman, both my foremen were both Christians and they both loved challenging me. And they never told me, but I'm pretty sure they would, they would have conversations about mm. what I was thinking about and they would try and challenge me based on There's probably a lot of prayer going on. For sure. Yeah. For sure. And your mom was probably praying through all of this too. Oh, 100%. And so, yeah, the Lord eventually just brought me back to him. Mm. So how old were you at this time? I was 18. Okay. And then you ended up coming to his hill. What was that process? How did that, what was the process of you making that decision? So, yeah, I ended up coming back, coming back, (laughs) coming to his hill um, last year. I was supposed to be the year before that. But I told my mom no, right. as we already talked about. And so I, as I started going back to church, I felt like the Lord was just telling me, Caden, I want you to go to Texas. And I was kind of like, what? Like, no, nah, I'm all right. I like, <laughs> I like Arizona. Like, you know, I love the people I'm working with. You know, it's a good relationship with the Lord. I'm making really good money for my age. Um, and like, I was like, no, nah, I'm good. And the next week he's like, I just felt like I'm saying, you know, I want you to go to Texas. And every time I prayed and every time I had a meditation with the Lord, I just felt like Texas was on my heart. Wow, that's interesting. And eventually I was just like, Lord, you know, I know you're not supposed to do this, but I kind of gave the Lord an ultimatum. And I was like, Lord, if you want me to go to Texas, you got to give me something to do. Because I can't just go to Texas, like, free nilly and just, you know, not have a plan. And ever since then, just like I had Texas on my heart, from that moment on, I had Bible school in my heart Hmm. and I was like, no, (laughs) I'm not doing that. No way am I going to Bible school. I had just, you know, almost ruined my relationship with my mom telling her I was not going to Bible school. And I hurt my mom by telling her that. 
and and you're I, the youngest so by yeah. now you're the you're the everyone all the others have gone to bible school exactly yeah. yeah yeah and i was the last one to go and the lord was just prompting me and finally it was just so i don't know if the word's permanent in my life okay or just so obvious in my life of of that's where i need to be that i was like all right whatever so i get online i sign up i i go through the application process i was accepted um and yeah i ended up coming to bible school and it was funny as soon as i signed up for bible school i mean i was tempted like nothing other to go fall right back into my old lifestyle really like it was it was a rough six months before i came here okay um, of just temptation and thank thankfully through the power and strength of jesus that i was able to not fall back into that stuff and mm. able to come here mm. But yeah, that's that's how I got to Bible school. So, what has the Lord worked in your heart since you've been here? Because you're in your second year now. You didn't want to come, but now you're in your second year. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So, what's He been doing in your heart? Surrender. Okay. Um, if I had to nail it down to one word, it'd be surrender. And, you know, people ask you all the time, like you just asked me, what's the biggest thing you've learned in Bible school? And to be honest. There's just so much. Mm. There's so much we learn here and so much good stuff and, and rich stuff and truth that it's like, I just want to say everything. Mm. But if I had to nail it down to one word, it would be surrender. Okay. And with regards to your, your dad's suicide, what's he, what's he done with you there? Yeah. So when I came to Bible school, um, I still believe in my heart. I didn't really know what forgiveness meant. And I could say... Yeah, I've forgiven my dad, you know, or, or like, I think I meant more of uh, I'd moved on. And with it comes to my dad's death, the biggest thing that I had to learn was forgiveness. And forgiveness isn't a one-time thing. Mm. That forgiveness is daily. And daily, when I wake up, if I am not willing to forgive my dad in my heart, then I... I'm going to have a terrible day. That's just kind of what it is. And it's kind of the truth of we have to wake up and drop dead. Yeah. And we have to wake up and realize that this life we now live is not ours. And that if, if it is in God's plan or God's desire for me to forgive my dad, I need to forgive my dad. Which comes back to surrender. Exactly. Yeah. And I need to surrender that to the Lord. Right. And so when it comes to my dad's death, I needed to surrender my anger my, my hard-heartedness um, towards my dad to the Lord and just say, Lord, I don't know what you're doing through this and I don't know how you're going to use this, but I know that you're faithful because you have never not been faithful to me. Mm. And I know that you're going to use it for good. Not my good, but your good. And I'm willing to surrender that to you. Mm. And it's, it's, a, it's a daily thing. It's... Mm. I'm not perfect every day. I'm not saying every day I've been here, I've been able to surrender right, to the Lord, right. but it is a daily thing that every day I wake up, I have to surrender my dad's death to the Lord because honestly, it's been what seven or eight years since 2015. Mm -hmm. I still think about my dad's death every single day. Wow. And it is not something that has ever gone away. And I don't know if it ever will, mm. but I have to be okay with that and know that the Lord can use that, whether I see the fruit of that or not. It's like the story of Jeremiah, you know, God called Jeremiah to fruitless ministry and the teacher, um, Sam Hatfield that comes, right. He has this funny saying and I just love it. And it's how, when God's calling to Jeremiah to fruitless ministry, Jeremiah puts his, or not Jeremiah, Sam puts his hand up and says, who's signing up for this ministry now? <laughs> and I remember sitting in that class and I'm like, not me, <laughs> <laughs> but that's the reality of the fact is you just have to go where the Lord calls you, whether or not you're going to see the fruit from it or not. Mm. And I feel like that's part of where the Lord has called me is to forgive and forgiveness of my dad. Mm. Yeah. I don't know if that really makes sense, but no, it does. Yeah. Yeah. You said, uh, you and I were in a, a conversation last week and mm -hmm. you were telling me about what the Lord's done with you as far as that moment, you know, that night that your dad died, you know, that, that, commitment that you had made that you would never be a coward again what yeah. what's the lord done with you in that he's made me realize i am a coward mm. 
and that without him, I am I am nothing. Mm. And without him, I have no strength. And along with my journey and my story, it's a, it's a story of of me realizing that I have a nothing good within me. Mm. B, I have no strength other than the strength of the Lord. And it, he had to make me realize that the thing I had been running away from for so long, which is being a coward, is exactly who I am without the Lord. And that is what I was in the years that I was running away from the Lord, is I was being a coward. Mm. And when I finally decided to to come back to the Lord, that is when the Lord gave me his strength to stand for truth mm. and to forgive. Isn't that interesting? You were... In your attempt not to be a coward, you were actually running to the very thing that made you a coward. Mm-hmm. And the Lord's brought you to understand that it's the opposite. You know, it's to, it's 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 running to Him with a dependence. You know, yeah. a surrender to Him. That what would seem to be the, the 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 epitome, or the, I'm sorry, the um, what would be exactly a coward, mm-hmm. a cowardly thing to do, is actually where you find the strength. It makes me think of uh, Colossians one twenty nine, where Paul, after saying Christ in you is the hope of glory, mm-hmm. he goes on, he says this, for this purpose also I labor striving according to his power, yeah. which mightily works within me. And, you know, the, the, the power that, we, the, that we've been created to know is, is not from ourselves. It's, yeah. it's his very life in us. And we need to, we need to, recognize you know to agree with the lord on that and like you like you were saying to surrender to to him who is mm-hmm. our life who is our power who is our um our who who is our boldness who is our courage mm-hmm. and uh, and we find that these things that we want in life are uh, there's so you know rest and peace and strength and they're not something they're someone Amen. And and it's only as we yield to him that these things become a reality for his glory, for him to use as he wants to use. Mm-hmm. You know, like you've said too, it doesn't mean that 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 the daily struggle is over with. It's it's still very much there, but there's but it doesn't it does but it means that that struggle doesn't have to be my lord today. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It reminds me too of Hebrews twelve two of fixing our eyes on yeah. Jesus. Yeah. And it's just you have to continually keep your eyes on Jesus. And you know, if your eyes are somewhere else, you're gonna go towards that thing. Yeah. But if your eyes are on Jesus, that's where your mind's gonna be, that's what you're gonna be thinking of, you know, that's what you're gonna be meditating on. Yeah. And and it's just the the daily reminder of meditate on the words of the Lord and keep your eyes on the Lord. Yeah. Yeah, I I agree wholeheartedly. I mean, that's the theme of the the whole podcast. You know, is for us to to remind each other to fix our eyes on Jesus. Uh, you know, He's the author and perfecter of faith. You know, mm-hmm. to and and to be fixed on Him means to be looking away from everything else, and only um and only there will we find what we were created for, which mm-hmm. is all that He is. Well, that's great. I appreciate that. Yeah, whatever has your attention has you. Mm-hmm. And whatever has you is your Lord, mm-hmm. because it's dictating today how you will live. Mm-hmm. And so we can either be lorded by our problem and our failures, our fear, our weakness, or we can be, or we can live in the in the security of the Lord being our life, Christ being our life. Yeah. Well, Caden, before we finish up, uh, I want to ask you something. Uh, anybody that's listening that maybe can identify with what you're talking about. They're either, they're, they're either struggling with um, suicidal thoughts themselves mm. or they've been a victim of it, like you and your family have been. Yeah. What, would, what would you want them to hear you say um, as encouragement? I would say Colossians 1, verse 27. Christ in you, the hope and glory. There's hope in Christ. There's... there's Yes, there's a battle in this world between good and evil. But yet, you still have the hope of God. And hope isn't, it's, it's not a delicate thing. It's, it's, it's a thing of, 
of of might. It's it's a powerful hey, man, thing. I appreciate the hope that. of God is 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 never ending. It's it's always working. Mm. And it's it's always in you. Mm. If again you turn your eyes to Jesus. Mm. So in your times of thinking of suicide or in your times of of struggling with forgiving someone who committed suicide or or dealing with that you need to remember that there's hope in jesus christ Mm. and if you keep your eyes on jesus you may not know what the reason god made you go through that was for or why god made you go through that. okay but if you keep your eyes on jesus i promise you that the Lord will be faithful mm. to you, whether you see the fruit of that or not. Mm. It, it, because you, he never leaves, he never forsakes. Yeah, and and you seeing the fruit doesn't depend on, you know, that's not what matters. What matters is your obedience and faithfulness to the Lord. Okay. Um, yeah, and honestly, the second thing is you need help. You can't do it alone. Mm. You, you have to get in a, a community or even just another person, a mentor. And that is a, a, a Christian mentor, a wise mentor, someone who's older than you. Um, Somebody's going to encourage you to Christ. Exactly. That Those two things are, are things that the Lord worked in my life in a miraculous way, mm. was mentorship and hope. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, I think that's, that's really good advice. If there's anything we've learned from the last three years with the, all the COVID mess is that we were not made to be separated. We were designed for community. We were designed for fellowship. And I think in particular, when we look at Hebrews uh, chapter 10, we were designed specifically for fellowship that encourages one another to Jesus. Mm-hmm. Also, Hebrews chapter 3, encourage one another daily. Mm-hmm. Um, so that I really appreciate that. That's, that's really good advice. Thank you. Well, Caden, uh, thank you so much. I appreciate you, uh, you know, taking some time, sitting down with me. Uh, thank you for being willing to talk about you know you know your dad and and how that has affected you and and then for going on and telling us just what the Lord's done with that mm-hmm. and that's really encouraging and I, I just want to thank you God bless you thank you you've been listening to the His Hill podcast featuring our host Kelly Doherty and one of our second year students Caden Brown thank you for tuning in with us today Our first-year students head out on spring break next Wednesday, and our second-years leave for Israel on Tuesday. This is the first trip we've been able to take to Israel since 2019, and we are so grateful for the gift of being able to take our students over there again. Please keep our students in your prayers that they would have safe travels, a restful break, and that they would return to us encouraged and ready to finish out the school year. Once again, you've been listening to the His Hill Podcast, featuring our host, Kelly Doherty, along with one of our second years, Caden Brown. Remember to keep your eyes fixed on Christ alumni. I'm Lizzie, and we'll see you next week.